Chapter 6 of The Gargoyle by Graella Spina. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Ben Tucker. Chapter 6 The story so far. Luke Porter, a young painter, joins Herbert Benny, alias Cagliostro Madardo, in a visit to Fainwald Castle, where live Guy Fane and his mother and a beautiful girl called Sybil. Cagliostro is an occultist and pseudo-magician and has come in response to Guy Fane's request for his aid in an important experiment in magic, assisted by a young man of fine and handsome physique, Luke. Guy Fane proves to be a monstrosity so hideous that he appears to no one in the light and wears a thick black veil at all times, so that even his own mother will be spared the sight of his frightful countenance. Luke learns through Alden, Sybil's old nurse, that Guy Fane is planning some terrible attack upon Sybil's immortal soul. She takes him behind the curtains, and from his hiding place he hears Guy Fane and his mother plotting, and learns that the monstrosity plans to free himself from his hideous body by black magic and attain a new and beautiful body for himself. To Luke this seems a madcap preposterous idea. Luke and Cagliostro held virtually prisoners in the castle. The drawbridge is up and the moat is full of venomous snakes. Luke finds that Guy Fane is sacrificing doves and lambs to Lucifer in preparation for his great work of black magic. Meantime, Luke is falling in love with Sybil. Chapter 6, Mephistopheles Mason appeared at Luke's door in the morning, brought another message from the master, who sent word that he would like a few words with Mr. Porter if possible directly after breakfast. He has arranged to receive you in his study, sir. You may find it more agreeable, sir as it is fairly well lighted. I may say, sir, that this is most unusual on Mr. Fane's part. He rarely receives visitors except in complete darkness, beamed Mason. Where is Mr. Moderno this morning? Luke inquired. He was anxious to get in touch with Herbert Benny at the earliest occasion to see how much the little man knew of Guy Fane's plans. I believe he is in the chapel, sir, busy with something for the master. With this, Luke had to contend himself and immediately after breakfast, at which Sybil did not appear, he followed Mason again down winding stairs and through mazes of corridors. The room into which he was finally ushered was a spacious apartment, fairly well lighted by carefully shaded candles and sconces on the walls. To a height of four feet from the floor, the walls were lined with solidly packed bookcases. Padded armchairs invited. At the farther end of the room, in a niche in the wall, a great crystal globe hanging on a hardly discernible silvery chain caught, reflected, and broke into shimmering rainbow colors the soft radiance of the shaded candles. The light, however, was not the honest glow of the average candle, but a sickly reddish light augmented by the shades which were dull red. At the side of the room, far back, a delicate lattice extending to eight feet in height carried with its presence the inference that the master was there. "'Pray forgive me if I startle you,' begged Guy Fane's voice with plaintive intonation. I know it must seem strange to converse with a man who remains hidden from sight, but alas, my affliction has laid this heavy cross upon me. You will note that I have done my poor best to light the room better, Mr. Porter. Please try to do me the justice of believing that I am not a mummer who attempts to mystify by such cheap methods as darkness and an unseen speaker. My magic is of an entirely different type, I assure you. Won't you draw up a chair near the screen? Thank you so much. Ah, I feel sure we shall get along famously, and that your presence here will be fraught with much satisfaction to me. 
Luke sensed the undertone of something not in accord with the words. Guy Fane was amusing himself by conveying one meaning to the artist, while he laughed inwardly at a significance in his words, intelligible only to himself. Instinctively, Luke was on guard. But in settling the chair, he seated himself in such a way that his face was partly in shadow. He did not intend that the unseen watcher should startle him and read that astonishment on his face. When you came here as Cagliostro, Maderno's assistant, it was understood that you were heart-whole and unmarried. I must reassure myself on this point. It is the basis of a plan that furnishes the reason for Sybil's existence. I cannot explain fully now, but you shall understand all within a comparatively short time, when I have every reason to hope you will be furnished with the key to the mystery. The first important thing you are here for is to become the suitor of my cousin Sybil, and I shall not frown upon your addresses. Luke sprang from his chair in some heat. That is too much. What do you take me for, that you make such a cold-blooded proposal? I am not the man to fall in love at your behest, I assure you, to say nothing of the implied disrespect toward the young lady. Calm yourself, my hot-blooded and enthusiastic young friend, soothed the master's voice, reaching out after him as he paced the floor with almost tangible forcefulness. I take you for a gentleman, but consider I know Sybil's prospects. I have her interests at heart. Her own father desired that she be immured within these walls until I considered it wise for her to emerge. He did not wish her to fall victim to some fortune-hunter who might rob her of all and leave her broken-hearted. Her private fortune, Mr. Porter, is immense. Which doesn't interest me in the slightest, cried Luke angrily. Ah, but consider... I have thought long and gravely how to provide a suitable husband for my pretty little innocent cousin. Through my occult relationships I tried to find a man, young, handsome, healthy, heart-free, who might find it easy to love such a girl as Sybil, and save her from the suffering she might otherwise experience in less worthy hands. Be honest, Mr. Porter. If you could gain the love and respect of Sybil Fane, would you, granted that you grew to love her, Feel it a wrong done the girl to provide her with a good man who loved her first of all for herself? Luke stopped him abruptly. I cannot deny that your words are couched in sophistry that carries reluctant conviction to my intellect. But something tells me. Oh, how you weary me, you cautious and particular man. With your somethings that tell you quite nothing. Forgive me if I point out that you are meeting honest frankness on my part with intellectual distrust on yours. Can sincerity be so rare to your experience that you cannot recognize it when you meet it face to face? The speaker's voice was so earnest with deep feeling that Luke almost discredited his own intuitional misgivings and his knowledge of the speaker's nefarious schemes. On the surface, you may be right in what you propose, Mr. Fane, but there is something despicably small in discussing Miss Fane in such a way. There you are again! The voice reproached him. You know that the thing is innately right, but you hold that to discuss it is indelicate. What strange reasoning. Perhaps... Perhaps you are not the man I thought you to be, sir. Would you like to retire from this indelicate situation? Fine irony in the intonation. If so, you only have to ring for Mason. He will get your belongings. You can shake off the dust of Fainwald Castle from your too delicate person. Luke sat down abruptly. 
This would not be what he wanted. Not now. The die was cast. He knew that he could not leave the castle, leaving Sybil to the tender mercies of this strange monomaniac. He spoke quickly, abruptly, and with sincerity. I admire your cousin heartily, Mr. Fane. She is a most unusual girl for these modern flapper days. I can hardly say that my admiration will ripen into something warmer, but I ardently wish to remain. Mr. Porter, I cannot find words to thank you for your decision, with all that it implies, significantly. For it, I believe I shall owe you a lifelong debt. Credit me with not being as lacking in delicacy as you may have been led to believe by this brief conversation. You will, I'm sure, entertain other and stronger feelings toward me as our acquaintance progresses to its destined end. Luke sensed again some subtle significance in the words that as yet he could not understand. It is to be hoped I will, he retorted pointedly. The Unseen laughed softly as if to himself, and that thrill of strange distrust shot through Luke's mind again. Look, young man, and say if such an innocent and legitimate temptation was ever offered you before in your life. The wall above one bookcase seemed to become misty. It faded more and more. In its place there grew the soft light of an autumn morning. And as the picture grew clearer, Luke realized that by some ledger domain or hypnotic trick he was looking directly at Sybil Fane as she stood among her doves in the roof garden. "'Is it not easy to love such a woman?' whispered the voice of the Unseen. "'And easy to win her regard? Could you find a fairer woman in the world or one more easily molded to your ideal? I warn you, sir, to make haste with your wooing.' In two weeks that girl comes of age, with the right to go out into the world she longs to see. Will you let her fall into unscrupulous hands? Save her, if you are a true man, from those unknown perils that otherwise await her, Luke replied from his heart. Mr. Fane, what you are and what your designs and motives may be, I do not know. But I warn you, if I fall in love with your cousin, nobody... Not you yourself shall ever lay a finger on her to harm or even to startle her. Ah, there speaks the kind of man to whom I can gladly give my cousin's hand, applauded Guy Fane approvingly. I know you will protect her from everyone but yourself, ambiguously. Before Luke could resent the delicate insinuation, the master continued, If you do not mind, I shall be excused now, as I have much to do. I hope to see you again within a few days, Mr. Porter, and I hope then that all my warm wishes shall have come to fruition. End of chapter 6